Hello and welcome everyone to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and how many grains of villain does it take to make a Frieza. Tonight on episode 3, we'll be discussing the Dragon Ball movie release, Resurrection F. We'll once again be making quite a few comparisons between the movie and the Golden Freezes saga within Dragon Ball Super. So if you need a refresher or just want to listen to more Dragon Ball content, be sure to check out episode 4 on Instant Transmission Podcast where we do a deep dive. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi. And Todd, why don't you give us a quick, detailed review of this movie's release? Absolutely. So Resurrection F came out in 2015 in April. And one of the things that I thought was interesting when I was looking this information up is that Dragon Ball Super, the anime, came out in 2015 in July. So just a few months after the release of Resurrection F. and I think this could actually be a big indicator as to why some of the animation early on in the anime was lacking because they just did not give themselves a lot of time between the two. But the movie itself is gorgeous. And that's what we're talking about today. That's right. And with those details out of the way, let's kick off the discussion of the contents of the film Resurrection F. And the movie begins with, well, what I thought was actually the introduction of a studio. With a bunch of bats and 3D fish and a bunch of weird stuff flying over a a red background over a waterfall. And this leads us into what I believe is hell. Yeah, yeah. The the little CG fish and whatnot is, is weird. Leads us into what looks like the same scene that we get in the anime with all of the animals dancing and singing uh, around a cocooned Frieza. And... We need to really dive in one day as to what the rules are to resurrection and why some people keep their body and some people only keep parts of their body because it's good old Mecha Frieza without all of Frieza's parts all stuffed into a cocoon. Yeah, yeah, it does seem strange. And we've in the afterlife, we've seen some some people are usually set up as ghosts. Actually, it is a little bit odd because I think King Yema even tells people that if they are good, they get to keep their body. I don't know. Maybe this is just freezes spirit in some way shape or form i mean that could be the case or as long as you're exceptional in either direction you've earned it (laughs) i'm sure freezes earned every bit of the torture he's getting in this scene (laughs) but it's it's just a brief moment we spend with frieza because it quickly moves on to if you've seen dragon ball super at least our breakdown from last episode you would know that the frieza forces which are the remnants to i guess frieza's empire are still out in the universe and we cut to them in their kind of beleaguered state right and a lot of this is very similar to the anime one of the quick things that i wanted to point out is the character this frog-like character on frieza's ship looks very much like the character Frog from the Chrono Trigger video games, which <laughs> which is all done, all the art from those games is done by Akira Toriyama. So I just thought that was a funny little character connection there. You know, it's funny because I've played that game, but I had no idea that, that there was any connection between Dragon Ball and that game, and that's hilarious. Yep, yep. All the art from that game is done by Akira Toriyama. So I, I just thought that was funny. I had to look them up to be sure, but I was like, man, that looks familiar. <laughs> but we we cut to the remnants of the Frieza forces and we get once again, Sorbet is kind of the the leader on that ship. He's kind of calling the shots and you hear all the distress calls from all the different forces that are deployed in different areas. And he's telling them to call back. And 
One thing I did notice is that I feel like when we get introduced to uh, what's his name? Tagoma. Yeah. Tagoma. Tagoma. I feel like his character is kind of dealt with a little bit differently, even from the onset. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this too, because his character seems different. He does get picked to go with Sorbet to go to earth again, just like in the anime. But I, I think once we get to Frieza being resurrected, there's a little bit more. I wanted to talk about that. Did you have more about him? Yeah, it's when we're first introduced to uh, Tagoma, it's you you almost get the sense of feeling that there's almost this push for him. Like he's kind of questioning the leadership's call rather than asking questions that need to be asked. And it's I think his inflection at least is different already from the onset of this movie. I don't I don't know if I'm perceiving that or if it was just something subtle that I picked up early on or if it was just the difference between the way the. Uh, voice actor portrayed that character in the movie versus the series. I'm not sure, but I I noticed a little bit of a difference there right on the onset. I think we'll see that that difference is going to be important as we get a little bit further in here. So <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. It's a uh, good detail. They, they and we're moving very quickly compared to how long it took for the series to do stuff, which is becoming a pattern with the movies versus the series. But they decide very quickly that. They can't track down the Namekian Dragon Balls, and their only option is to go to Earth, and they want to send in a small team, so that way they're not detected. Right. So we get Tagoma and Sorbet going down to Earth. Shisami is basically stays on the ship to take care of the rest of the Frieza forces, quickly cuts over to Sorbet and Tagoma on Earth with the Pilaf gang, and the Pilaf gang is helping them track down the Dragon Balls. Yeah, when they when they showed up, I believe the Pilaf game had already found six of them, and they just needed to find the seventh Dragon Ball, which was located at the bottom of one of Earth's oceans. And I believe Sorbet tells Tagoma to swim down to the bottom of Earth's ocean and find it, which is an impressive feat. Right, it's pretty neat. Uh, this is very similar to the anime, the... The scene is a little bit different. We're on the water instead of in like a cave, I think, from the anime. And we get the Pilaf gang. They, they've been trying to get the Dragon Balls themselves. So they decide to try to attack Sorbet while Tagoma is underwater. And Sorbet turns around and blasts their weapons out of their hands with his little ring laser gun. Oh, um, ring laser gun. I wonder if that'll come up again later. Yeah, it's probably not important. <laughs> uh, I did want to point out, though, I so whereas with the Battle of Gods movie, I felt like almost every detail in the Battle of Gods movie was better than the anime. I'm my tune is going to be a little bit different today. This is one detail that I actually liked in the anime a little bit better, if only because when Sorbet shoots the weapons out of the Pilaf gang's hands, it doesn't show it feels like the the ray gun has very little power. And in the anime, he blows a chunk out of the stone in the cave behind them. And it feels like the ray gun is just much more powerful to me. It's a small little detail, but obviously it's going to be important later on. I think that is important. That's something that I had not really registered the first time I saw it. And I think maybe that's well, all this stuff was written around the same time, so there wouldn't have been, I guess, a chance for the writers or anything of the series to really kind of adjust to crowd feedback or anything. So this must have been just a personal decision. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, this the like we talked about, the anime came out shortly after this movie. So, I mean, the anime definitely, you can tell that they made at least a few, I'm going to say improvements uh, in the anime. And we'll we'll talk about those as we go. But uh, after Tagama swims down to the bottom of the ocean, grabs the Dragon Ball, the Pilaf gang attack plan obviously fails. The dragon is now summoned, and there are two wishes, I believe, that can be granted. That's another important detail I wanted to talk about, too, is the fact that in the movie, there's two wishes, which I'm pretty sure at the end of the Boo Saga is how Shenron was set up. But I think in Dragon Ball Super, the anime, they changed Shenron again to be able to grant three wishes instead of two, and they don't really... They don't really give us an explanation. It's basically just tweaked again. See, I, and I don't remember clearly, but I thought it was basically you had like wishes that were big or small and you could get one big wish, two medium wishes or three small wishes. So you could (laughs) kind of combine them depending on what you're trying to do is what I thought it was. They've definitely changed and tweaked it over time and it's, it's. It's kind of been hard to keep up with. I would probably have to go back and just confirm on the Boo Saga, but I thought that they had made it, when Dende took over, I thought they had made it two wishes. And why not five wishes? You know, (laughs) we'll just give them them more options. Come on, Dende, get to work. I want more wishes. I wish for more wishes. (laughs) That's right. Some genie action here. All right. And uh, so after Shenron is summoned, I believe it's very similar to before where... Sorbet wishes for Frieza to be brought back, even though Shenron had kind of advised against it since Frieza was chopped to bits and blown away. And I thought this was once again interesting because I don't get how someone can be blown up on a planet and brought back, but someone can be blown up with key energy and can't be brought back or something. I'm I'm really fuzzy on the rules here. Uh, that's because the rules are really fuzzy. And <laughs> we talked about it in the anime, too. It's almost the same situation here. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense as to why they changed this detail. They just decided to change it. I don't know. And Maybe it had, was. They had two wishes. Why not wish for Frieza's body to be restored and then wish for Frieza to be put back into that body? We could have done it that way. Right, exactly. And, and instead, we kind of get the gag of the Pilaf gang wishing for a million zenny, which is fine. We don't get King Cold resurrected, which they talk about here again, like they did in the anime. And we eventually go back to the ship where Frieza is placed into the healing pod. And we get a pretty cool scene. Uh, The visuals are really neat of him healing and growing his limbs back. And he eventually breaks out of the pod. Very similar scene to the anime, just better animation here, honestly. And it's sometimes it's easy to miss how nice the animation is because of how quickly the stuff happens. That Frieza bursting out scene is only a second or two, but it's animated very, very well. And it's one of those ones I had to kind of flip back and watch again just to really drink it in. I did, too. And it's it's paced really well, too. It It's really well done. I mean, Frieza gets out of the pod and just spits the healing splooge all over everybody. <laughs> uh, it's it's really, really cool to watch. Oh, yeah. And I think everyone loves when Frieza shows up to the scene. So I'm happy every time I get to see Frieza pop out. I think, too, if I remember right, this scene has the song that I really, really like. The Frieza, 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 Frieza. Is that like the, the punk rock kind of sounding song? 
Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I wish they would have used that song more in this movie, but uh, I think the moment that Frieza shows up is when they chose to use it. It it actually kind of caught me off guard to hear a a song in Dragon Ball that actually referenced Dragon Ball. It was kind of jarring to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different. They've started doing more stuff like that in recent years with Dragon Ball, and I, I like it. I dig it. I don't mind. It's fun. I'm having fun with it, and that's all I really care about. Yeah, yeah, and so we basically get a slightly different sequence here as Frieza gets resurrected, where Tagoma is, maybe you have more to say on this, where Tagoma is basically telling Frieza, like, hey, why would we go back to get revenge on the Saiyan that killed you? Let's just, you know, worry about the rest of the universe. Yeah, and it was, I don't, the way it came off to me is it was not him trying to, I guess, outdo Frieza. It was him trying to give his best opinion on it. Like, why? Why are we worrying about revenge right now? We've got an empire we need to put back together. Why don't we do that? And then we can go deal with those sands. And this is where the movie takes a radical turn from <laughs> what the series had done. And if I remember correctly, Frieza takes Taguma, places him up against the spaceship window, and then blows him out the airlock, basically, sucking him <laughs> and many other of the crewmen off of the ship until an emergency shutter is, like, pushed shut and it stops. And that's the last we see of Tagama. Yeah, I, we get rid of Tagama real fast. <laughs> this is in the first 15 minutes of the movie, and uh, Tagama gets killed out in space. And I like this. I, I, I'm a little bit torn because we don't get to see Tagama progress. But I, I think it's a much more elegant solution to dealing with Tagama than what they did in the anime. <laughs> yeah, I, gosh, I, I like Tagama's story arc better in the anime up until Captain Ginyu takes him over. I thought he had a, actually a really good story arc up until that point. Yeah, yeah, and I can agree with that. I think for the purpose of the movie, which has a much shorter time frame, it probably makes sense to cut Tagama's story arc yeah it's fine it's it worked for the movie because it's kind of a one-off watch sort of thing so i didn't mind it because it kind of made it exciting basically watching the same thing over again like ooh, this is different all right i'm in i'll watch this yeah absolutely i also really like the idea to me frieza i mean frieza's an asshole frieza would not put up with you know somebody questioning his authority especially who's this you know who's this fucking new guy like mm -hmm. hey freeze is a well-spoken asshole and let's make sure we get that clear oh man i love i don't even remember what the word is that he uses but sorbet says something like i don't know what that word means salubrious <laughs> that's what it was <laughs> that's what it was yep and that's always kind of been part of freeze's character is being well-spoken almost like I'm going to use high class speak because I'm not a commoner like the rest of you. I'm going to be eloquent. I'm going to be powerful. I'm going to be uh, intimidating. I'm going to be all these things that just prove that no matter what I do, no matter what I say or look like, I am better than you. And I love that about Frieza. I agree. I love that about Frieza, too. And they do a very good job of it here with the, the dialogue. The, the English dub actors do a fantastic job. And even the scene of just Frieza powering up in his ship is really well animated. So they did some great stuff here. And I think that kind of takes us back to Earth, where we get introduced to Jocko for the first time once again. Yes, the salubrious Jocko. I don't think I used that <laughs> word right. But yes, yeah. we we get Jocko or Taco or whatever you feel like calling him. He shows up at Balma's work and the receptionist... Uh, 
won't let him in despite how much he wants to get into Bulma's office. <laughs> Everybody's trying to get into Bulma's office. Hey, I I actually liked how this was handled in the movie a little bit better rather than he just basically like shows up and he's with Bulma. I like him having to go to Capsule Corp and them being like, we don't know who the hell you are. Like, what are you doing? What do you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Capsule Corp's response was basically me, the viewer's response. Why are you here? Please go away. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I, I like that because it the viewer feels the same, right? The viewer's like, <laughs> we don't know who you are. What are you doing? Uh, all right, Christmas episode character, get out of here. <laughs> and so we basically get Jocko telling Balma about Frieza being resurrected again. And it kind of moves its way towards Krillin taking care of the bandits in a brief little scene. They covered that a little bit differently where Balma was not involved there. And then Balma tells Krillin about the about Frieza and then we get the same scene from the anime of Krillin getting prepped and ready for the fight with Android 18 shaving his head and his bay teen mentions how cool he is and I love that it's, it's so good we talked about it in the anime <laughs> the the dialogue is almost the same here too uh it is. Krillin flies away and she's like oh he's so cool I mean I, I agree he is really cool you're you're a lucky girl <laughs> there 18 absolutely <laughs> So we kind of skim through that since it's pretty similar to the anime. We go back to Frieza's ship briefly as Frieza's kind of planning his revenge. And then it jumps over to Goku and Vegeta training with Whis. Um, okay, so when it jumps over to Goku and Vegeta training with Whis, it's all pretty similar to the show. And they do... They they do that, I guess, alluding to the, I guess, the takesies, backsies power that Whis has where Beerus shows up and he sneezes and he blows up one of the moons. And then Whis mentions that Beerus had blown up, I believe, the stars in, around Beerus's planet and they had to do a do-over before. And he explains the temporal take back or whatever. Temporal do-over is what it's called. And that's right. kind of the, you know, alluding to what's probably going to happen into the future sort of thing. Yeah, and this is actually one of the details. It's a small detail, but I liked the way that this was handled better in the anime. The The movie almost over-explains the temporal do-over. Like, it gives you all the details and all the information about it. I liked that all they said in the anime was basically that Whis had done a do-over. And I think you even said that you, the first time you watched the anime you almost miss that detail because it's so subtle. And I actually like it being more subtle. I did because it was just kind of a, a quick kind of off the cup comment that Weiss had made in the anime. It wasn't something that anyone asked him about or anything. He's just like, oh, well, we don't have to do a do over like before. And that was it. And the anime stretched out so much longer that there's so much more time to forget about it. <laughs> so in this you know, 90 minute ish movie, when you really explain something like that, you don't get a lot of time to kind of forget what he had mentioned. Right. This kind of feels like it's slapping you in the face with that information, which I was kind of like, eh, I like the subtle delivery a little bit better. But and, again, I mean, minor. my thing is, is because I watch the anime, then watch this, I know what happens. So I can't tell if I'm looking for it now that I've already seen it. That's a good point, too. And I've, you know, I've watched this through multiple times in both formats. So maybe I'm just being nitpicky or overly looking for details that I already know about. I mean, you kind of have to when you're comparing two very similar things. The The details matter. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So we more or less move on from 
Beerus's planet, and it jumps at that point right into Frieza's ship landing onto Earth. And we get to see the, uh, I think you described it last time as like a beehive of all the soldiers coming out of the ship. Yep, and the same thing happens. And I I love the pacing of these movies because it's Frieza's ship lands, soldiers come swarming out, uh, Z fighters are on the way or are just arriving on the scene. And Frieza, I don't know, did this happen in the anime where Frieza decides to get everyone's attention by blowing up an entire city? It did not. I wanted to talk about that too because I love that. I, I really like that Frieza just shows up and murders thousands of people <laughs> for no good reason, just at the, you know, just on a whim. Like, oh, I need to let them know I'm here. Time for genocide. <laughs> <laughs> See, that feels very Frieza to me. Like, it really that... does. The ruthless tyrant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's just like this little death beam from his finger. He's still in his, you know, base form. And, I mean, it's just him kind of flexing on Earth. Oh, yeah. And Frieza, Frieza has an ego to feed. And there almost is a little bit of, like, I guess, a poetic nature to Frieza, where it's Frieza doesn't want to just kill people. Frieza wants to inflict torture and pain. And you know that Frieza probably wouldn't have cared to have blown up that city if Frieza was just there to grab Dragon Balls or something, because that's a waste of time. But I'm sure Frieza knew that by blowing up a city, it would piss off Earth's like Z fighters and inhabitants and definitely get Goku's attention. So there was there was purpose behind that city blowing up, if you ask me. Yeah, 100 percent. I was I was sad that that got cut in the anime because it's a really good detail. But I'm sure the people of the city aren't aren't sad. <laughs> like, whoo, dodge that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God history doesn't repeat. Yeah. <laughs> but that basically gets the attention of the Z fighters for sure. They show up on the scene and more or less we kind of jump into the fight with the thousand soldiers here. And I love this in comparison to the anime, because we get some really cool fight scenes with all of our side characters. What did you think about this, Dayton? Uh, can I go ahead and say that this is Master Roshi's best fight sequence in modern Dragon Ball? It was yeah. so good. I loved him throwing down his little walking stick and it just like people fucking pile into it and he jumps up and gets them all with the Kamehameha wave. It's so good. It is Master Roshi's best appearance. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, in some ways, they're really pushing it by letting Roshi fight in this fight. He's probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he's probably he's probably weak enough that he could be killed by any one of these guys. But man, it's so good. I love Roshi and I love seeing him in action. So I'm glad that they're giving him a chance to shine. I mean, my thing is when I step back and take a look at power levels, they're kind of silly at this point. So I kind of I kind of don't care. It's just the numbers right. are in the millions or billions or something ridiculous. So let's just power levels don't matter. Here are your favorite characters. Watch them fight. Just enjoy it. Just eat it. It's it's junk food. Just love it. It's bad for you, but you love it. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's why I enjoy this. They do this much better than they did in the anime. Um, we get a couple of shots of Jocko fighting, which I don't think we really got to see Jocko fight in the anime very much at all. I think there were a couple really brief scenes where he was firing his laser gun or something like that. Um, the the movie does a way better job of showing him actually do stuff. Mm -hmm. But I do remember in both the movie and the anime, 
Jacko does a little bit of fighting and then mentions to Balma that he's only going to take out the weaker ones. Right. Yeah. Jacko Jacko's a bit of a coward and they do a pretty good job of characterizing him, which I I like that. The fight sequence here too is pretty pretty long. We get a a pretty cool scene with Piccolo basically just fighting with his feet for a little while. We get Tien doing some actually really cool martial arts moves. One move where he locks a guy's arm. It looks like an Aikido throw. Uh, So I really like, too, that they're almost going back to their roots of real martial arts. I mean, obviously exaggerated, but but still, it's it's a little bit more realistic with the, the showmanship. I like seeing it. It's fun when you can actually see like, oh, that's an actual headlock or that's an arm bar or something like that. It's always fun to see that kind of stuff. The other thing I want to bring up, too, is that during this whole fight sequence, and I know this is something that we talked about when comparing the Battle of the Gods movie with the series, is the backdrops that they were fighting in. Yep. This was a very colorful backdrop where we had Tien fighting in a cave and we had Krillin in the woods and we had Jocko like on the edge of a mountainside jumping down and up and jumping off of branches and stuff. There was a lot of different areas that people were fighting and it made like a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it, it makes a lot of sense too because they're all trying to like separate these soldiers and you know get out of the main mass of them so they don't get overwhelmed but yeah visually it's it's phenomenal I, it's much better again than what they did in the anime in terms of scenery at least because i think we basically get them on like a, a plane or a plateau in the anime and that's pretty much the only scenery that we see at all and I do think that Krillin wasn't done nearly as dirty in this one as he was in the series. I wanted to ask how you felt about that. We don't get the sequence of Krillin being afraid to fight in this. Krillin is actually a badass in this, just like all the other side characters, which I was pretty pleased with. I mean, I liked I liked this a lot more than before. I don't mind have, having a little bit of hesitation from him, having that internal fear because he was killed by Frieza. Yeah. But it was way over the top in the series. And he was frozen in fear for a long time and he wasn't doing anything. And Master Roshi had to tell him that you're actually not a bitch. Go do something. And then he started fighting. Whereas in this, he kind of was, I guess, getting a little out over his skis and just a little out of practice. And he ends up running into a tree and Gohan has to save him. And I'm fine with that. That, that feels very Krillin. Krillin's kind of the he's a little bit of the jokey humor guy. So I, I don't mind a little bit of that. Yeah, I agree. And I think when we were talking about the anime, we both, for the most part, liked some of the sequences like Master Roshi telling Krillin, you know, hey, I trained you like you are a good fighter. We liked some of that stuff, but I think I agree with you in that I don't I think it was just too over the top where they tried to make Krillin feel like he was so scared and so afraid to fight and just kind of almost like he was just a failure in that moment. And I was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, the, the paralyzed in fear is a bit much. Krillin is a very, he's one of the strongest fighters on earth. He's And he's trained his entire life and just having him show up and just lock up in fear. It didn't feel like somebody who was arguably a master in martial arts. Yeah, yeah, I think they did a much better job in the movie with him. Uh, we We get to see Gohan kind of, help Krillin out when Krillin runs into the tree. There's a cool sequence of Gohan just hitting a bunch of guys pressure points, which I thought was really fun. Uh, We get to see Jocko, you know, running on a cliff like you were talking about. And I think eventually the Z fighters more or less take out all of the soldiers. And that's where Shisami 
jumps into the fray against that's not what i thought you were gonna say (laughs) and that's where (laughs) shizami (laughs) throw you a curveball so big red shows up right yeah big red red bull man now i want to talk about this a little bit because so let's talk about the fact that this guy goes toe to toe with piccolo now piccolo is let's say if even if he hasn't gotten stronger since the cell oh, no oh no you're going into power levels aren't you oh i sure as hell am <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get controversial so let's say if piccolo hasn't even gotten stronger since the cell saga where he was as strong as android 17 Android 17 at that time was stronger than any of the Super Saiyans. Now, Shisami is fighting on an even level with Piccolo, who is stronger than any of the Super Saiyans at that point. And Frieza, in his back in his heyday, was the same power as Super Saiyan Goku, more or less. Uh, so, does that mean that when Frieza was resurrected, that Shisami was stronger than him? Oh, um, that's not the question I thought you were going to ask. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, that's a really interesting question. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I, I think you could maybe in this in this version explain it away by saying that maybe Shisami was the one that Frieza trained with instead of Tagoma. And then maybe Shisami got stronger by training with Frieza. They don't tell you that by any means. They don't even imply it. But that's in my mind, that might be my own headcanon to explain away why Shisami is stronger than Frieza used to be. That's, I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah, because Piccolo, I mean, should, should, okay. All right. You can't just introduce <laughs> these questions on me. Okay. This is breaking my mind. I, I don't know. I'm just going to leave that there because that you just introduced, you opened a whole can of worms that I wasn't ready for. Yeah. I, I just couldn't help it when I was, saw that bit with Shisami and I was like, it would be really funny if Frieza were resurrected and Shisami was like, nah, bitch, I'm stronger than you. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh boy. But I mean, that's that's a pretty pretty typical Dragon Ball plot hole. So we'll yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of digging for holes at that point. Uh, power levels are always a fucking nightmare in Dragon yeah. Ball. So I mean, I get what they were trying to do, and it's weird because it's also out of shape. Gohan sticking up for Piccolo, who I don't think Piccolo ever really stops training. At least he doesn't he doesn't get soft. At least so I don't right. I don't know what the power levels are. I don't get why. I don't know. I I just have a lot of questions and I'm not going to ever get answers. So whatever. In the end, (laughs) in the end, they did it so that Shisami was relevant in these fights. Right. That's the main reason why they made him as strong as he is. Um, And that's really that's the only thing that matters. But I just thought it was funny. It doesn't matter for long because as soon as Gohan steps in and deals with uh, Shisami, I believe not long after that, Frieza decides to step in. Right. Yes, so Super Saiyan Gohan deals with Shisami, and then Frieza just goes down, gut punches Gohan, and knocks him out to the point where Gohan can't even swallow or chew a sensu bean. Well, he technically died, right? Like, Piccolo had to basically restart his heart. Yeah, more or less. I mean, it's he, he basically got the Piccolo defibrillator, so... <laughs> well, those are handy. It's a good thing he's got those. Yeah, just like his closed beam. 
but I I wasn't as big of a fan of this as I was in the anime once once more because in the anime Frieza blindsides Gohan with a key blast through his shoulder when Frieza sees Gohan turn Super Saiyan it's basically Frieza's anger and retribution towards the Super Saiyan form that really drives him to attack Gohan and we don't get that same sequence in the movie, unfortunately, which I really liked that sequence. And it, it definitely, yeah, you're right. The series definitely lets it hit home a little harder. It makes more sense. And on top of that, it's, I mean, Gohan is out of form, but at the same time, he's still mystic Gohan. He's still a very powerful Super Saiyan level plus being. And then Gohan staring right at, look, mind you, it's form one Frieza as well staring right at Frieza, being able to just one-shot Gohan like that, it just, it felt really weird. It really felt like power levels were all over the place and that things were just sort of happening for the sake of drama. And this is something that becomes even more clear once Goku and Vegeta show up later on and stuff like that. Like, I don't... A lot of the stuff I don't like. Yeah, and that's fair. They, I mean, they, they do kind of imply, especially later in Super, that Gohan isn't able to tap into his mystic form or his mystic powers anymore and even looking at the transformation sometimes it's hard to tell but the super saiyan 2 transformation usually has lightning accompanying the aura so this transformation for gohan does not so it seems like he's only in regular super saiyan form and then combine that with the fact that he hasn't been training and his power has probably gone down i don't know it's like you said the power levels are all over the place it's it's weird but I, I don't like the drama here as much as I liked the drama in the anime. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, I guess, earmark this page because there's something very similar that happens with, I guess, when Goku and Frieza, spoiler alert, fight later on in the series. And yeah. it's another power level disparity slash form confusion thing that I, I really don't like. But yeah. we'll get there in, in a little bit. Actually, in not very long. Yeah, pretty shortly here. So we we do briefly jump back to Whis and Beerus and Goku and Vegeta, and they finally get in contact with Balma. Balma tells them to get to Earth quick. And this is all going by much faster than it did in the anime. Uh, we don't get the sequence. Another thing that I don't like here, we don't get the sequence of Gohan being tortured by Frieza too, which I really oh, liked in the Yeah, anime. yeah, I did like that in the series. I like that in the series a lot. Yeah, and the one thing that I did like here, though, is that in the anime, it felt a little bit weird when Gohan kind of like sacrificed himself to power up, if only because he didn't really know that <laughs> yeah. his father was going to be instant transmissioning in and looking for a beacon. Um, but at least here, when the, the Z fighters power up, they're being told by Balma, hey, Goku's trying to get here. Power up, motherfuckers. Yeah, and that makes a lot more sense because in the series, it was just like, why is Gohan just burning himself out? Oh, because he needs more power, I guess? Whatever. Oh, Goku showed up, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, and Gohan basically said that he, he did it to get Goku there, but it still felt weird. Like, he didn't know that Goku was searching for them at the time. Yeah, I would have liked that sequence a lot more if, say, Goku and Vegeta were training in the other dimension and then Gohan did that and no one showed up. That would have been a much better story arc. 
Yeah, that would have been really interesting. <laughs> really build the tension there. Oh, yeah. Like, you need to stop relying on Goku. You got to win your own battles. <laughs> well, I don't think that that'll happen anytime soon. Oh, come on. <laughs> Wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but as we all know, Goku and Vegeta show up to save the day. Um, there's less less drama here. Another thing, actually, that we didn't cover Piccolo doesn't die in this one. He doesn't die like he did in the anime, which I'm perfectly okay with because that death in the anime was not done well. It was terrible. It was just a it was a cheap grab at old heartstrings, and I didn't like it. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with them not having that in the movie. Uh, so we skip past that. Goku arrives. Frieza says, I'm going to my final form because I don't want to make mistakes. And I actually the even just his transformation from his base form to his final form looks really good in the movie. I like the way it's done. I like that a lot. Actually, I like that transformation. That's probably one of my favorite transformations I've seen in a minute, just because I, I like that old Frieza form and I like Frieza going into it. I'm glad they finally gave it a little bit of a dress up. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that base form, too. And uh, even just just the when he transforms, like it takes a little bit of time. There's some screaming and a buildup. The aura looks good. The sky turns dark once he goes into his final form. And we get this sweeping camera view around Frieza's final form body. Looks great. I love it. It looks fantastic. And then normal form Goku is enough to keep up with it. <laughs> yeah, actually, normal and you're right. Normal form Goku is having has the upper hand when Frieza's in his final form. I dislike this. So immensely. Do you? So what? immensely. Because we gave Frieza like seven different forms of powering up and now they were all useless. So get the hell out of here. Also, at the same time, why do your first seven forms not really grant you any power? But spoiler alert, the one after that seems to grant you a lot of power. Like the jump is too severe between forms. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it. to your point, I mean, it. it's a little bit weird. I mean... So base form Frieza was strong enough, like way more than strong enough to beat Super Saiyan Gohan. I mean, I, I guess he wasn't in Super Saiyan form technically when Frieza punched him, but still. I think we can assume it was. Yeah, uh, you get the impression that base form Frieza was still plenty enough to handle Super Saiyan Gohan. And then final form Frieza is just getting basically getting pummeled by base form Goku. So, yeah, and that's my thing is. You give all these characters all these different levels of transformations. And then I guess, I don't know, Dragon Ball goes out of their way to make every form below that as meaningless as possible at every opportunity. And it drives me up a freaking wall. Yeah, that part is a bummer. They do a better job of that in the manga. Uh, they use more of the forms and actually have some differentiation between them. Uh, but yeah, the anime, unfortunately, just says, all right, this is our shiny new transformation and we're going to use it all the time. Which I mean, I'm fine with, say, Frieza goes into Frieza's final form and Super Saiyan 2 is more powerful than it. OK, cool. I dig it. But base form Goku's more powerful than it. Like what what is up with these transformations? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It does seem a little bit odd. But I, I do like the fight sequence, though, here between Goku and Frieza. It looks much better than it did in the anime. It looks fantastic. And it's also, I noticed that at least they didn't use much reused footage throughout the fights. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Did you notice any at all? I actually didn't really notice any. I don't think I did. I was trying to look for it. I know in the in the series, I noticed a lot of the same animations used, but not in the movie. The movie, everything looked fresh and pretty sweet. There might have been something snuck in there cleverly, but I didn't notice it. So the only thing I wanted to mention here, I, it's not reused animation. There's one sequence that was just a weird cut uh, where Frieza, I think, teleports above Goku, uh, creates a big key blast and fires it at Goku. And in the moment, Goku's just like waiting there as the key blast comes in. And then it when it cuts to Frieza and then cuts back to Goku, Goku is already like mid key blast struggle with Frieza. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. They didn't show Goku fire off a key blast. It's it's not a huge deal. It just was a little bit jarring to me. I was like, oh, 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 we're in a key blast struggle. Like, oh, okay, all right, sure. <laughs> so people have heard them, you know, have heard, they've heard the complaints about people talking about how they reuse animations, and they're going to go one step further and just not show you animations at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently that's the new budget cuts, but. It's again, it's a minor nitpick. This movie is gorgeous. I love the animation <laughs> in this movie. I mean, maybe maybe the movie needed to be cut down because there's too much or something like that. And that's what they you know, that's one of those little snippets they cut out or something. But I did notice that and it was a little bit jarring just to go from here comes the blast to oh, we're in the middle of a, a key battle. OK, all right. I guess I'll accept this. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because it almost feels like there was supposed to be more to that sequence and they maybe had to cut it down for time or something. It's a little bit odd. But, I mean, uh, that's fine. It gets a pass. It's way better than Goku flying back up to beer seven times after being knocked out of the atmosphere. So I, our, I love it. Our four or five Kamehamehas. <laughs> Everyone sounds like it's the final one. So you got to yeah. make sure you put the echo and the roaring effect in there. <sighs> yeah, so... We, as Frieza and Goku are fighting, we basically get Vegeta butting in again. This sequence is done so much better in the movie. It's much shorter, feels much less awkward, much more in character for Vegeta. What did you think about this, Dayton? I still more or less don't like the idea of the scene, but I do agree it was done better in the movie. Vegeta, I think he kind of butts in and says, hey, you said we would take turns. It's my turn. That makes sense to me because I don't think either of them are really taking Frieza that seriously at this point. But I'm not sure if it I'm not sure if it needed to be there. It just it feels forced both times, but it feels even more forced in the series. Yeah, and that, that's a fair take. I think I was just so relieved that it didn't feel as awful as it did in the series while watching the movie that I was like, oh, that was done much better. <laughs> Good job. Now, speaking of things that weren't in the movie, and this might be a, technically a little bit of ahead of where we are, but that awkward clapping scene in the series, I don't think happens in the movie. That's that is this scene. That's this exact same scene. Okay. All right. I thought it was around this point. I couldn't remember. Remember. Yeah. That that's the part that I absolutely did not like. It felt super awkward. So I was, <laughs> okay. I was glad they cut that. Just the cutting of the clapping scene makes this at least three points better. Yeah, I would agree. But we basically move on from that. Vegeta tells them to stop messing around, and Goku and Frieza move back to the ground to show each other their power. Yeah, whip out your power cell and let me feel it. Oh, yeah. And they whip it out. And Goku is first. So what did you think about the Super Saiyan Blue transformation in the movie, Dayton? 
I thought it was fine. It felt like it was actually a little bit too quick for me. If this was supposed to be the big reveal, it didn't feel like the big reveal. It felt like kind of a reveal, which I guess I'm, I don't know. I don't know how I felt about it. If this is supposed to be a big deal, they should have made a bigger deal out of it, but it, it was okay. I agree with you. So I first saw this in theaters when it first came out and I was blown away by the Super Saiyan Blue transformation. I loved it. And I think I even felt differently than a lot of people who felt like, oh, you know, it wasn't earned, whatever. I was like, oh, this is awesome. He's got a new transformation. This is going to be a cool fight. And I loved the way like the blue flex kind of peeled off of him. But watching it a second time, I thought it was super lackluster. It was it's way too fast. And there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of buildup. There's not a lot of yelling. I love me some Dragon Ball. (laughs) It's important. Yeah, so it's better done in the movie than it is in the anime. I'll give it that. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. I don't know. I think it's is it done better in the movie than the anime? Because I felt like they were very similar. I'd have to actually watch it and see it because they felt almost identical to me. They are super similar. The only thing that I like better in the anime or I'm sorry, in the movie is it's just a little bit prettier. The animation is a little bit better than it is in the anime. See, I think in the the Battle of Gods movie, the reveal of the Super Saiyan God was the best transformation reveal, I guess, between, I guess, the four reveals we've seen between the Super Saiyan God movie and series and the, the blue movie and series. I think the Battle of the Gods movie did the best reveal out of all four of those combined. I would agree with the the ceremony and the the ceremony looked really good in the movie and uh, the transformation and everything. And I'm not even a big fan of that form of the Super Saiyan God. Form, no, no, but... me neither. But just the like they did like the clouds moving and like the earth mm-hmm. and heaven were singing and all this other stuff. And if they made it a big deal and they actually like kind of slow rolled you into it and they showed you it and they presented you it and. I mean, whether you like it or not, you could tell they did their best to make sure that you knew that this was a big deal. And I did not feel that Super Saiyan Blue did the same thing. I completely agree with you. Now, here's an interesting take, maybe. So now we, <laughs> we're we're about to get the Golden Frieza transformation. Now, what what's your what do you think here? Because I really like go- the Golden Frieza transformation. I thought it was well done. The it's. It's a longer reveal than Super Saiyan Blue. And I wonder if they did a shorter reveal for Super Saiyan Blue so that the Golden Frieza transformation stood out. What do you think about that? I mean, I guess they could have done that, but I guess at the same time, I think you could have done both of them. I don't know if they specifically tried to do that. I can't really read it one way or the other. I -hmm. do agree, though, that I think they spent not a lot, but a little bit more time on the Golden Frieza transformation. I guess partially because we've gone through a lot with Goku and Vegeta and different transformations and stuff like that. And this is more of a moment for Frieza to achieve a new form than it is for Vegeta and Goku. So I guess for me, I would want to spend a little bit more time on Frieza. So maybe they did it on purpose. You could be onto something there. I do like the, I guess, the transformation overall. Like I said, it doesn't feel a lot different than it does in the series, but... It felt good, so I don't mind the Golden Frieza transformation. I I still think there could be a little bit more to it, though. There needs to be a little bit a uh, little bit more oomph to it when I see it, and I I want to feel the transformation. I don't want to just see it. 
Yeah, that's fair. I I could agree with you that it could use a little bit more oomph. I I liked that it had more screaming. Uh, I like me some Dragon Ball. Screaming. Whoa, hey! <laughs> and we get uh, a little bit of a light show, which is fun. Uh, I liked some of the animations of Frieza screaming too, which was fun. But but yeah, it's. I thought it was a good transformation. It's not the best transformation. It's all right. I'd be. Yeah, that's about what I'd give it to. But that moves us into the fight between Super Saiyan Blue Goku and Golden Frieza. This is a long fight, but holy shit, I think it is great. Yeah, yeah, especially when compared to the anime. The animation is good. The fight sequences are good. Uh, I think we're going to break it down a little bit in detail here because there are a few things that I love in this fight. I love that at the very first, even from the first blows they're swinging at each other, you can feel the weight behind every single punch or kick that's thrown. And just it's animated beautifully. And you can tell that they're doing a good job of at first, they're trying to make them seem like they're on the same level. And they're both hitting each other with the same weight of attacks right out the gate, at least for a little bit. Yeah, it's close. Now, whereas base form Goku was just pummeling final form Frieza, I actually felt like they tried to show Golden Frieza is has the advantage in Golden versus Super Saiyan Blue. It's close at the beginning, but it definitely starts to move in Golden Frieza's advantage. It's one of those things where I think Frieza's getting a little bit of the better of Goku, but after the fight prolongs and it's that over and over and over again, it starts building up and you can see all the battle damage. It's starting to build up in Goku as the fight kind of, I guess, goes on. Yeah, yeah. You get a cool scene of Frieza like spinning Goku in midair. There is a little bit of some CG animation here. I will say it, it even even from the battle of gods movie to this movie the cg animation has improved it looks better it's still a little bit jarring but it's not just stop doing cg just stop doing cg (laughs) i I think it's a budget or time thing but yeah i agree it's it doesn't look good they use it on the the soldiers like in the thousand soldier fight and i'm totally fine with that if you need you know dozens of people on screen at one time and you want to do cg fine (laughs) but not in the big fight with Goku and Frieza. It just doesn't look good. Yeah, I think I agree, but there are just, and I mean, there's a couple spots where they're kind of doing the 3d, like flying through the air, going up the side of the mountain sort of stuff. And it, it looks fine because it seems like they animated the, or CG the environment, but then actually hand animated the fighting sequence that was happening in front of you. And so it looked fine. It's just one of those things where in a few years, it might not look great though. That CG might really stand out. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, we're watching this six years after it's been released and it's already already looks pretty dated. So, yeah, it doesn't look terrible, but you can tell it's there. Yeah, exactly. But there's some good scenes with I think Goku and Frieza go into almost looks like a topped volcano, like a little mountain plateau thing. Frieza is just like easily dodging some of Goku's attacks and then returning with some of his own and. There is something I wanted to note here, and actually I meant to bring it up earlier, but this sequence in particular feels weird to me with the sound. Whereas the sound in Battle of the Gods was really good. I thought the music was well done and the the sound effects were well done. This sequence in particular, like the fight with Goku and Frieza has no music for a long period of time. And then towards the 
end of this fight sequence, they start with some cool music, some fun, like actiony, upbeat music. But that goes for about 60 seconds of the Frieza and Goku fight. And then the scene changes to show us Beerus and Whis show up, but the like actiony fight music is still going. It just <laughs> it's timed really poorly. I don't know what they were thinking with that, but I just wasn't a big fan and it felt jarring to me. I guess honestly, I didn't even really notice the music in, in this fight. And I usually at least make a quick little note of the music. Oh, this is cool. Or it started in. I honestly somehow missed it. This a whole fight. It was just kind of there at some point, and I don't know. It it could have been better. I definitely agree with you. Yeah, you might have missed it because it's basically there's no music. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's weird. It felt weird to me. <laughs> it did. I man. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of those things that I had completely missed. So yeah, come on, guys, get get to work on that. Yeah, and they. Uh, I mean, Battle of the Gods had some really cool music moments. So I, I'm trying to think if there were any really good ones in here. There, there weren't a lot. I liked the <laughs> Freeze's introduction, but during the fight, there's not a lot of good music moments. I mean, it's going to be hard to beat, you know, you will not destroy my planet, cue metal guitar, and then just ass whooping happen. And it, it does not get much better than that. That's an incredible moment in Battle <laughs> of the Gods. <laughs> Such a good moment. And that was after a great underground fight scene. So it was just good sequence after good sequence with good score into another good sequence. I think that's why it bothers me in this movie so much is because they did such a good job in that movie. And then this movie, they kind of dropped the ball on the music a little bit. But regardless, we'll move forward there to uh, Beerus and we show up, you know, tension gone. And... They basically get their Sunday and uh, we eventually get Frieza notices that Beerus and Weiss are there and he asks if they're going to intervene and they say no. I mean, all typical. It's the same as what they did in the anime, more or less. Yeah, there's not a whole lot that they they do different between these few scenes. I will say that uh, not long after that, there's a great sequence where Goku and Frieza, they're fighting and they're just Goku is almost skating across the water's surface. And he's like, like jumping over shots and vaulting over them. And just the way he skates across the surface and just the background behind him, everything looked fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I love that sequence. The, the key blasts were, I mean, Goku looks like he's just dancing on the water, dodging these key blasts. And it's, it's super cool. I love that sequence too. There's actually a sequence where he's like going up the mountain away from those key blasts. And then he almost does like what you would imagine in a video game where you double jump, but he gets to a point like in midair and then pushes off and you see like this ring of key and circle his feet as he's bouncing off of it. It looks gorgeous. I love that sequence. There are so many small little touches that they did with this. And one thing I definitely noticed, and I was actually paying attention to it, is that their smoke animation during all these fights and throughout this whole arc were fantastic. The way smoke would move around key, the way that they would fly through it and the way it would kind of disperse around them. Whoever was doing the smoke animations on this and maybe it it happened in the God of Destruction movie as well. But I noticed in particular in this movie, the smoke animations were fantastic. That's awesome. See, that's a detail that I didn't pay close attention to it was probably one of those things where it was like so well done that it was just seamless and not something that i paid attention to yeah because that's something that's gonna be in the background and not necessarily the forefront it's the thing that your hero is flying through not not behind (laughs) yeah yeah sometimes 
sometimes when those things are done well, you don't notice them. And then when they're done bad, that's when you really notice. Exactly. Yep. But uh, we, we basically get through the fight here. They did this part with Frieza's weakness a little bit different than the anime. They so did. In the, in the anime, Vegeta pointed out Frieza's weakness. But here, both Goku and Vegeta basically recognize it more or less at the same time. Now, I don't know, I don't know how to feel about this. I, I think I like it better in the movie because to me, Goku is, I mean, Goku's dumb but he's also a fighting savant. So I think it makes sense for him to recognize Frieza's weakness. Yeah, and I don't know. To me, it's kind of, that has to do with sensing key, and Goku's been sensing key far longer than Vegeta has, so I think he would have a better, his his head wrapped around that a lot better than Vegeta would. So I, I would prefer it if both of them did it versus just Vegeta, because that doesn't make much sense to me. That's a good point. I think even in Dragon Ball Z abridged, they make a joke that uh, sensing key is kind of Goku's thing. So. <laughs> Fighting in so, key. That's all that man does. I don't know. <laughs> so from there, we basically get the, the fight continues until Goku gets to the point where he gets punched in the face and just completely no sells it. And they... <laughs> One of my favorite fight scene sequences here is as Goku no sells that punch to the face, he puts his hand up to Frieza's chest and gives him the Bruce Lee one inch punch. Yeah, I've got that note right here. I was just like, "Ooh, Mr. One inch punch here. Oh, man, it's gorgeous. It's so cool. I think in the past, Akira Toriyama has even mentioned that he's taken inspiration from Bruce Lee for Goku. So I love that that's incorporated into the movie, into this fight sequence. That's so cool. I love seeing that. And that's one of those things that if you know what a one inch punch is, you cannot miss that. It's so great. Yeah, I really like that part. So we basically get uh, at this point, the tides of the tide of the fight has turned where Goku's beating up on Frieza. He shoots a Kamehameha at him. One of the things I thought was a little bit weird is that Goku's like firing the Kamehameha directly at the planet, which Maybe he just assumes that Freeze is going to soak it up so he's not endangering the Earth. I don't know. I mean, maybe he held back on it, too, because he knew Frieza was pretty much low, low batteries. Yeah, that's also possible. And then we after the Kamehameha, we basically get Goku telling Frieza to, you know, leave the planet, blah, blah, blah. And we get a really cool, at least from an animation standpoint, sequence of just Frieza's rage here. What did you think about that little part? I mean, I liked it in the series and I actually like it in the movie, too. So I like all the little water spouts and stuff that was coming up from Frieza, just expelling all that just anger. And I don't know the to me, the big thing to talk about during the sequence is the way that Frieza, I guess, gives the command to uh, what's his name? Sorbet. Right. Yeah, I think so. To me, that's the bigger conversation because they were both. I guess in both the series and the movie, they were both angry. They were frustrated. They were beating the ground, um, just kind of losing their minds. But in this one, at this lowest low of Frieza, that's when he looks over it and gives the henchmen basically the like that look of, you know what to do sort of thing. And I like this way better than the series. It was yep. way more subtle. And it was something that was very ominously hinted at way earlier in the movie. This was handled way better, I think, in the movie than it was the series. I think I even made a comment about it in our last episode because 
it was actually it, it, I had it in my mind like this sequence where Frieza basically just gives Sorbet a quick little nod and in the anime he like I think he says something to him like you know what to do or something like that or like so, something along those lines but it I like the subtle nod much better like you said as well I thought it was much better I I definitely prefer the the movie to the series in this regard anyway yeah and I like I I don't like necessarily everything being right on the nose. I like making me think every now and then. Yeah, and I mean you know Dragon Ball is not not a big thinking anime, but uh, every once in a while it's nice to at least leave a little something for the audience to kind of infer or guess at. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit to chew on. Right now, I will say the very next sequence I like in the anime more which is the fact that in the movie Super Saiyan Blue Goku gets shot by Sorbet without powering down beforehand and Sorbet shoots Goku from the front, which annoys the crap (laughs) out of me. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. You're right. It's the movie gets a win pretty quick and then loses it almost immediately afterwards. I loved that in the anime Goku fully let his guard down and then is shot with the ray love it that is exactly what Whis had warned him about in the movie he's still I mean he's still Super Saiyan Blue you assume his guard's still up he's still ready to battle sort of thing that probably shouldn't have happened right and I I think I mentioned when I first saw this I mentioned last time in the last episode when I first saw this in the movie I was upset. I didn't like the fact that Goku got taken out by a ray gun. I've I've since changed my tone on it a little bit, but I realized too that part of it is the way that it's handled in the movie because he's still Super Saiyan Blue. He gets shot from the front. It, it seems like he should be on guard at the very least if he's in Super Saiyan Blue, at least a little bit. You could argue one way or the other, but in the anime, they, I mean, they just, they solve all those problems. They have him power down. So it seems like he's, you know, not ready for a fight. And I'm pretty sure that Sorbet is standing at the very least a little bit cockeyed to him, a little bit behind him. So he shouldn't be able to see it coming like he should in the movie. I mean, shoot, what was it? Way back in the day, I think Raditz caught a bullet from a farmer. (laughs) Yeah. So we're how many levels of power level above roughly that? Because I'm assuming a ray gun's not a huge step up from a normal rifle. I guess, in, as far as weapons in the Dragon Ball universe. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure it's stronger, but, you know, yeah. maybe not by magnitudes. And I mean, at this point, like you said, Goku's probably 87, 921 Raditzes. So, yeah, like there should be a, a just I don't know. There's no reason that should happen when Goku has his guard up. I have no problem with Goku having his guard down and then just, you know, basically full power down and then someone sneaks up and gets him. I'm fine with that. But the right. fact that that he had his full Super Saiyan blue, he was ready to fight, he was prepared, and then he just gets shot like that, I don't think so. Because we've seen fighters like that catch key blasts from behind them all the time. Like, that's yeah. that's nothing new. Yeah, and that's a good point. The I mean, the only thing that I could think here, and I think we talked about it briefly the last time, is the fact that Sorbet is very weak, uh, so he probably doesn't even register to Goku in terms of you know, Ooh, God, that hurts. That uh, hurts, Todd. Yeah. Poor Sorbet. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get his in a second. Oh, yeah, he will. <laughs> but then also the fact that it's not 
it's not an actual key blast. It's coming from a a tool uh, from a ray gun. But but you're right. We've seen multiple scenarios previously where fighters have protected themselves from blasts from behind too. So I don't know. It's it's hard to say what would actually catch Goku off guard necessarily. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know a lot about. I guess the the rules behind ray guns and blocking them and all that stuff. But it just it felt very off. And I don't know. Goku is ready for battle. That shouldn't have happened. He's so so far above beyond that that they should have done it better. I have no problem if he powers down, lets down his guard, and then gets hit because he's been warned about this a thousand times. But whatever. I guess it happens. And now Goku is lying there on the ground with a big old open wound in him. That's right. So from our opinion, point to the anime on this one. (laughs) Yes. Basically, we get Frieza, you know, kicking and stomping Goku, torturing him. Fantastic job. Again, Shemmel with the screams in this moment. Really well done. Mm-hmm. Free or I'm sorry, Go- Vegeta shows up to help Goku. He gives Goku to Krillin, more or less, to give him a sensu bean. Vegeta defends Goku from Frieza's key blast or defends Krillin, I think, actually. And then we get Vegeta... Powering up to Super Saiyan Blue to fight Golden Frieza. What did you think about uh, Vegeta's Super Saiyan Blue transformation, Dayton? I mean, wasn't it more or less just a copy-paste of the previous one? More or less. I honestly thought it was a little bit better. Maybe it was more screamy. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, it just, it didn't really, I don't know. Neither of the blue transformations really did it for me. So it's... It's whatever. It's neat, especially since we just saw it like, oh, he can do it, too. I'm so surprised considering they were both training at the same spot at the same level for the last six months or whatever it was. I think the only thing here for me that as a Vegeta fanboy, I'm like, yes, they gave it to Vegeta. Uh, but they gave it to him after Goku had already fought the big baddie and basically Yeah, won. I know. But we didn't even get to see Vegeta get Super Saiyan God. So I, I was excited that he got blue. But yeah, they Vegeta's always playing second fiddle to Goku. Hey, hey, Super Saiyan God is so that movie that came out two years ago. Okay. <laughs> it's true. So Super <laughs> Saiyan God is two years dated as far as transformations go. Yeah, so he gets the transformation. I believe Frieza at this point realizes that he cannot win, but still tries to, I guess, fight Vegeta pretty, I guess, futilely for just a little bit. I don't think it's very no, long. They, now, I love this sequence. Very much similar to the anime, this is some of the best fighting sequences that I, I mean, possibly in Dragon Ball. Maybe it's just because I love watching Vegeta beat the fuck out of Frieza. Super cathartic. <laughs> But no, really, the animation in this is fantastic. What did you think about this? I do like it. The I guess the Frieza just trying to overwhelm Vegeta with uh, Key Blast looked fantastic. Just the way that they're all impacting. And once again, the smoke here looks really good. I, I It's a weird thing to point out, but the smoke animation is really good. Oh, in this movie. It's a good point. And I, I wish I would have paid a little bit closer attention to that. But there's even little details like Frieza just spitting out of his mouth as uh, Vegeta punches him in the stomach. We see like Frieza's body contorting backwards as he gets punched or kicked. It's it's really well done. And Vegeta just is calm faced even after Frieza insults his Saiyan heritage and is just like easily dodging Frieza's attacks. It's 
I don't know. I love Vegeta, so this is one of my favorite sequences. Well, Vegeta also doesn't do the uh, the Goku treatment of sit around in normal form and just draw it out and then whip out your big power. Vegeta's all business. It's I'm straight into Super Saiyan Blue and I'm ending this fight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, he's got good reason to do so. But yeah, you do. We basically get to Frieza powering down, uh, not of his own choice, but going back to his final form instead of his golden form. Vegeta getting ready to key blast the crap out of him and Frieza destroying the planet. What did you think about this compared to the anime for this sequence? They both felt very similar. I actually did note that during the anime series, the destruction of the Earth actually looked really good during that. Mm -hmm. And it looks very good during this, too. I'm not. There are some subtle differences between the way, I guess, Frieza blew up the planet in the in the series versus the movie. I'm not sure any of them are large enough for me, for me to really pick out a winner. So yeah. I'm willing to say that they both do it about the same. Just in general, I generally like the movies, I guess, a little bit more with this stuff because it feels like the pace is usually a little bit better. And just, I guess, the edges are a little bit cleaner when they animate a lot of the other things. So, But more or less, I would say it's probably on, it's on par with the series. I would agree. The only thing that I felt was missing here that I liked from the show, and this might be, you know, a pacing thing, uh, was I liked that they showed the families and the friends of the Z fighters who survived. They showed like Videl and Satan and they showed the briefs and they showed Marin and 18. You got just these little snippets of those characters. I mean, being killed more or less on earth. And I, I liked that that kind of pulled at your heartstrings a little bit. Uh, pull out your heartstrings for about, I don't know, 15 seconds. <laughs> hey, man, at least it's something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Frieza blows up the planet, and that's when Whis brings up that, uh, I guess, that Chekhov's gone the temporal do-over. And once again tells Goku that you have a chance to make this right. And Was there anything really different about these chain of events or was it all more or less the same because i didn't really notice much different i think you're right i think for the most part i mean this goes down just like it did in the anime uh they rewind time goku blasts frieza and the day is saved and vegeta is angry <laughs> yeah man goku just stole his kill come on <sighs> yeah <laughs> i think vegeta even calls him a glory hog or something like that Oh, yeah, I think. Well, actually, we talked about this before we started this podcast. I still wish that Goku and Vegeta would have reversed roles during this whole Frieza saga story arc, just because Vegeta charging in and getting the kill at the very end would have felt so much better. Yeah, and I was going to bring that up, too, because Dayton actually came up with this really cool idea. Did you want to explain it a little bit further? Oh, just uh, I guess the what if Dragon Ball Z that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just if those two guys flipped roles, right? Uh, you had brought it up before we started recording the podcast with Vegeta uh, more or less being alive with Whis and Beerus and then getting to do the do-over, right? Yeah, it would have been... I mean, the thing is, is Goku's already had his vengeance on, on Frieza after killing Krillin and all that on Planet Namek. So the second kill on Frieza really doesn't mean that much to Goku. Right. But... Vegeta's kind of been under Frieza's oppression for all of his early life. Frieza took away his planet, his parents, most of his friends, and pretty much everything. 
And so if you're going to bring Frieza back, it would have felt so much better to actually let Vegeta kind of get that win because that would have been one hell of a good win for Vegeta. And all you really had to do is more or less kind of flip flop. And obviously you got to change a couple little things, but flip flop Goku and Vegeta in the Resurrection F movie or the saga. And suddenly you've got a very meaningful Frieza defeat versus just another villain being thrown back to hell. And I really think they could have done that and it wouldn't have changed, I guess, a whole lot. Like I said, some small things would have to be changed and some of the context would change, but I think most of it would change for the better. Yeah. And I think we talked last time about this from a slightly different point of view, where my thought was originally that if they just got rid of the temporal do-over and let Vegeta kill Frieza in the moment that Vegeta is going to kill Frieza, it would be much more satisfying. But I actually like your idea better, where Vegeta, uh, we still basically get the scene of Frieza, you know, using his dirty tactics and blowing up the earth. But then we get Vegeta being the one who goes back in time and gets to kill Frieza. And, you know, Vegeta gets his win, basically. And that would that would be so much more satisfying. I would have liked that. I would have liked that just so much better. But instead, we get Vegeta's win taken from him. Goku diving in and saving the day again. And it's just it's another it's Frieza just beat again. And I feel like at the end of this, it's I wanted so much more. I really did just it, I'm not saying I'm disappointed with the the fight sequences and stuff like that, but I am disappointed that the end of this just felt like a pretty typical Dragon Ball ending when there was so much more they could have done with it. Yeah, and Frieza is probably my favorite Dragon Ball villain, so I always love getting more Frieza. At the end of the day, though, the things that I like about this movie are Frieza's dialogue. And then the slick animation in the fight sequences. For the most part, that's about it. Yeah, I guess since we're already kind of doing it anyway, I guess I'll I'll give my overall thoughts. And that's, I think I, this movie was good. But I felt like when I watched the God of Destruction movie, I was blown away by that. For the most yeah. part, I loved almost every minute I was watching that movie. This one, I liked a lot of the fight animations, but I I wasn't as hooked in or sucked in as I was during the God of Destruction movie. It was good, but it wasn't great. And so there are some areas where I have to knock off a few points. So I think the the whole Vegeta kind of being done dirty again, the transformation reveals were a little lackluster to me. Power levels were obviously not really well thought out <laughs> during this but i mean it also did some things better i think especially that piccolo sacrifice just being omitted was a good thing yeah i mean the the funny part is the fact that the movie came out before the anime so the piccolo sacrifice got added in which is just ridiculous but we, we need some more heartstrings tug those heartstrings yeah yeah exactly so the the funny part is that they they make a comment about how they have to go collect the Dragon Balls to bring back the city that Frieza destroyed. So instead of using the Dragon Balls to resurrect Piccolo like they would have had to in the anime, they have to use them to resurrect the people from the city, which is a little bit of a shift there. Yeah, and once again, there are no actual consequences, and that's all that matters. 
yeah, I mean, that's basically everything goes back to the status quo at the end of this movie, right? Freezes back in hell. I mean, Goku and Vegeta still have Super Saiyan Blue. They basically just got a chance to try it out. That's that's about it. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, it was it was fine. It was a good movie. I'm I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, but I'm just saying there there are some areas they could have done better. And I mean, I wouldn't mind watching this movie again down the line. I think it's a good a good entertaining flick. Like there was plenty of fighting and stuff like that. It wasn't too slow. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I liked this movie much more on my first watch. I was really impressed with it, with the animation and everything. And I liked seeing Frieza on consecutive watches, both the series for this arc and the movie. There are just things that feel a little bit off uh, or unnecessary or could have been done better. But I, I still enjoy it. I, I love the action. The animation is really well done in this one. And I always love getting to see more Frieza. Well, hell yeah. So, yeah. Is there anything else you think we needed to talk about? For the most part, I think that wraps everything up. We kind of glossed over the fact that uh, the very tail end just shows Frieza back in hell. But that wraps up not only the Golden Frieza arc in the anime, but also the Resurrection F movie. So this has been our discussion of Dragon Ball. This is your host, Todd. And Dayton. And that's it for this episode of Instant Transmission. Be sure to tune in next time as we take a break from our regular formula and we deliver something a little bit new and exciting for everyone listening at home. No spoilers, but there might be a certain devil involved ooh ooh i like that drop those breadcrumbs <laughs> so thank you for joining us and to all our fellow dragon ball fans stay safe out there and remember to keep rocking the dragon All right, I'm done.